Welcome back, guys, for a new episode of Campfire Chronicles. How's everybody doing this evening? I hope well. For those of you who are new, of course, I'm Redundant, <coughs> also known as Kelsey Garmadia. But you can call me either one of those. I have no preference. Um, <clears throat> looks like I got a karaoke moment redeemed. Um, but I, I don't have a song in my head right now. All I can hear out of the background is my kids watching a movie. Hmm. And the only song that's coming to mind is the song, Papa was a rolling stone, my brother. Wherever he laid his hat was his home. But when he died, oh, when he died, it wasn't long. There you go, Cobra. Karaoke moment. It's fucking hot. I'm drinking um, what I have left of my champagne. And like whenever I drink, I get like really hot, like really quick. So I'm really hot in this house right now. But, like I was saying, hey, Cobra, what's good? What is good, my guy? I did not put my Nightbot alerts. He just reminded me. Here we go. It is so hot. I can't. I can't. I literally can't even. Anyway. So today on Campfire Chronicles, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, just what's going on with Activision. So why don't we, uh, why don't we get on into it, huh? So Activision has recently been uh, under a lot of heat because their female employees and some male employees were being sexually harassed at work. Um, and this isn't something that's new. This has been something that's been going on. Um, I feel you, Champagne and OJ. Mmm. Mmm. That's delish. That sounds delicious. Um, but this particular uh, lawsuit that's being brought up right now is not something that's new. Uh, the state of California gave, hey, I got him, coach. What's good? What is good, Jose? Um, but this particular lawsuit that has been brought up um, is not something that's new. The state of California actually uh, gave Activision the chance to fix all their issues within their company with all these uh, sexual harassment lawsuits, or not lawsuits, but cases. Um, and Activision chose to do nothing. I don't know if they thought that they weren't going to be held accountable or what, um, or if they're just sucking all the money out of all those battle passes everybody's buying. But uh, needless to say, it's kind of landed them in a hot spot now. And I keep seeing this very similar sentiment across the board from people. Um, like I said, this is not a new lawsuit. This has been ongoing for years. I mean, am I surprised? No. I am most definitely not surprised that one of the most toxic online gaming uh, you know, companies that didn't do anything for sexism, misogyny, racism, homophobia for years, I'm not surprised that their work environment is filled with all these issues. <clears throat> um, however, yeah, two years old. So that's that's just an indication of how long this has been ongoing and nothing's been done about it. Um, but I've been having this very, um, I like this just doesn't sit right with me because I see people 
who think that this is a new lawsuit, you know, just out of the blue, that, or people waited, like, the, the people who are filing the lawsuit waited. So, in some way, shape, or form, it's not true, I guess. Is that, what, like, a lot of the arguments that I've been seeing, they believe that these people that are filing this lawsuit are lying. Um, and it really bothers me, because I see... I see my friends making the same exact sentiment that, oh, well, they just waited and they just wanted money. Uh, you're fucking right. They do want money. They do want to be compensated for everything that has happened to them. Hey, Ducky. Hey, Iron Spore. What's good? Um, but they do want to be compensated for the abuse that they had to endure at a workplace. And, you know, nobody goes to work to have to put up with shit like that. Nobody goes to work and says, you know what, I'm going to deal with uh, being sexually harassed for eight hours a day, 40 hours a week. Um, right. King Cobra, it finally hit the public now because of a suicide, which is fucking disgusting. <laughs> and it really, it irritates me when I see these people out there. You know, I don't know. I don't know what these people who worked at Activision had to go through. I know from my own personal experience with rape and sexual abuse that I had people who didn't believe me and who told other people not to believe me. And it was the hardest and darkest time of my entire life. And I dealt with that for years. And these women and some men who are, or who were being harassed at Activision, and then somebody lost their life because nobody was doing anything about it. And then you have these people who are sitting behind a keyboard arguing that they're not telling the truth because they waited too long. Um, that's not how any of this works. I just want to put that right out here. And I agree, King Cobra, that is what crossed the line for me. And it, it crossed the line like way back when, when this lawsuit even came out, that there were women and men who were being harassed at work. You don't, like I said, you don't go to work to endure abuse. That is, I mean, okay, I joke a lot about sales and having to have gone to work and suffer through the workday, but I never felt or was sexually harassed while I was at work. Like, that was something that I never had to deal with. And if I did, I probably would have laid somebody out. So there's there's that. Um, but these people who are sitting here arguing that it's not true because they took too long to report it, it, it you're just spreading bullshit. It didn't take too long to report it. It took this long for Activision to finally be held accountable for it. That's the difference. Okay, check your whispers. Let me let me see here. I'm so I'm sweating. I'm sweating right now. Oh, let me let me open this. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. That's awesome. Thank you for that, King Cobra. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. That fire is mega hot. Yeah, it's like burning me through the screen, I guess, because I'm like, I have, I have sweat. I am perspiring on my nose. Um, But yeah, so I just wanted to, to kind of open up with... Uh, with this particular issue because like this is something that I am very passionate about as far as like speaking out against because I went through a lot when I was in high school and <clears throat> you know 
trigger warning for everybody, I was raped by people who I thought were my friends in high school. And like I said, the friend who found me and saw it all happening told everybody not to believe me because I was ashamed of hooking up with these guys, which wasn't the case. Um, it really, it really fucked me up for years. And, um, you know, I, I never was quite the same after that. And I don't think that any of these people who are involved in this lawsuit will ever be the same. You know, they're now they're dealing with public scrutiny because you've got these keyboard warriors saying, oh, well, why did they take so long to report it? Which is not even the issue. And I know how it feels to be called a liar when you know the truth and it does not feel good. And the suicide on top of that for not having anybody look out for them, like, come on, you can't tell, you can't sit here and tell me that these women are doing this just for money. Do I think that they deserve money? Fuck yes. I think they deserve every fucking penny from those higher ups in Activision's pockets. They deserve everything that Activision took from them. And money, yeah, it won't solve issues. It won't fix the problems. But I think that the people who are suing them definitely deserve it. Um, King Cobra says, suicide is a big thing in my book. Like I told, I've been there. Yeah. And that's for me too. You know, I, I've struggled with depression. I know what it feels like to, to be on the verge of like just being depressed and being suicidal. And it's, you know, it's not a good place to be. And I could only imagine how lonely that person felt that did kill themselves because a company didn't want to take accountability. And I, you know, I'm not, I'm not telling you guys to boycott because you know, that it's important to me. I want you guys to seriously take a look at what you're spending your money on because the money that you're spending on Activision is going towards a hostile work environment because all they're going to do is line their own pockets and they're not going to fix the issues. And, you know, I know it's involving Blizzard as well, but you, you've got to look at the bigger picture. The money that you are putting into these battle passes, these camos, these skins, it is going to the people who let abuse last until somebody killed themselves. And you may not see it that way right off the bat, but that's how I see it. I refuse to purchase anything from Activision ever again and until they fix this and maybe not even after the fact because you can't sit here for years and do nothing for your employees that are struggling and that are being harassed. It's it just it's disgusting. Um, disgusting bus business practices for sure. And women are queen. King Cobra says, and women are queen and men are kings. And if her king is nothing without his queen, women should be treated right. Amen. Amen to that. Um, and, you know, it's... I won't buy another thing from Warzone. I, I agree, Weezy. I'm the same way. I'm like... I told my husband, I was like, I'm not buying the battle pass. Like, I'm not doing that. Like, we bought it a few times. <clears throat> and then... I didn't know the severity of the situation that was going on there until it became public, um, which made me even more disgusted because that means that it's just been shoveled under the rug with no press coverage for all this time. Um, and you, you could not pay me enough money to work for a company like that. And like the fact that, you know, there's all these job postings on Activision's website because of the, everything that's been going on. 
I'd be surprised. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they went bankrupt over this. Um, all those women and the men that did suffer under that, you know, I believe you and I want, I, I don't know if they'll ever watch this. <laughs> you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and pretend like they're all watching it right now, but I believe you and I think something needs to be done. And I hope that the justice system does not fail you like it's failed so many others. Um, you know, that's, that's really all I can, all, all I can say on it. Um, <clears throat> but th that was kind of what I wanted to just open up with. I know it's kind of dark and not really a uh, happy filled um, discussion. King Cobra says, I play chess and a king is nothing without his queen to protect him. In the yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> absolutely. The queen's the one that can actually uh, do all the moves. Just saying. Um, but, you know, the only thing I can hope for is that justice will be served for the people who were harassed at their work in, or at their workplace. And I feel so horrible for the family of the person who committed suicide over this. And I hope that, you know, I hope that they're not forgotten at the end of the day. Um, and that all of the higher-ups in Activision get what get the amount of karma that is coming back their way. I hope that they go bankrupt and that they have to suffer the way that all their employees had suffered um, without their, you know, lining their pockets and forgetting about the fact that those employees that were being harassed were the ones who were, were keeping their company going. Um, <clears throat> but that is that. That is on Activision, and I hope you guys take something away from this. And if you feel so inclined to boycott Activision and delete their games, you know, I, I will encourage you to do that, but I will never tell you what to do. Um, I honestly, I don't think I'm going to be streaming or playing Warzone for quite some time. Um, Lil Weezy says, we live in a patriarchy. Women still have a pay gap. Misogyny, sexual assault. How many men have to worry about walking home alone at night? None. I've never met one. Um, I would say, I would, I would argue to say it's mostly um, straight cis men who don't have to worry about walking home, at, home alone at night. But if you're part of any minority group, females, um, transgenders, you know, there, there are a lot of marginalized groups that have to worry about, am I going to make it home? You know, I, I can't even walk to my front door without carrying my keys a certain way. My front door is maybe like 15 feet from my car. And I live in a good side of town. Like, it's just, you, you grow up as a female in this country and you don't, like, I, I don't realize that, but, like, when I bring it up to any of my guy friends, they don't, they're shocked to know that that's what I think about 24-7. And it's just part of being a female in this country and possibly even, I would argue, the entire world. I don't know why women are treated the way they are. Um, I don't understand that, but here we are. And, you know, I think this, I think this lawsuit is going to be a real eye-opener to see what they what they actually come up with as far as judgment is concerned because you can't get that life back that's gone. Um, and like I said, I don't think any amount of money is going to solve these issues, but I do think that 
there needs to be payment made, especially from Activision. Uh, King Cobra says, I won't buy another game made by them, and I don't know if I will buy Overwatch 2. I was looking forward to it, and now I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't foresee myself buying anything Activision-related for the foreseeable future. Um, Lil Weezy, men tell women what to do with their bodies, etc. Men should all get vasectomies until they are ready to have kids with their spouse if they are so fucking worried about it. But that would be uh, that would be an overreach of government power, huh? If they mandated that the other way than what they're mandating it right now. <clears throat> All right, wolves. I'll see you in a little bit. <laughs> Weezy, you don't. You are preaching to the choir. Trust me. I, I get it. You know, I live in Texas, um, and right now, uh, Texas. The governor is very concerned about the unborn children that could potentially live and be uh he is very concerned about them but let 23 children die in the state's care Tw 23 alive and living children he let them die knowing they didn't have a budget knowing they didn't have the resources and the i don't even want to know how many instances of abuse there's been because i know there's hundreds if not thousands of cases of abuse within the foster care system in this state but he is saying that if you are a woman in the state of Texas and you get pregnant and you don't find out till after six weeks, you can't get an abortion. So what is this really all about? I'm convinced that this system in this country, you know, the, just the, the patriarchy, I'm convinced that at the end of the day, it's about capitalism. And here's what I mean by that is that women who have children are producing workforce for the future. So if women aren't having children, which is what the case is right now, the birth rate's been the lowest it's been, I think, since they said the 70s. If women are choosing not to have kids, that means there are not enough people being born to, to, for the supply and demand of the workforce when they get old enough to work. Um, so yeah, I think it all does... King Cobra says, I wait for women to get to their car or in their house before I leave. Welcome into cars at night. More men need to step up. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just think that, um, I just think it's interesting to see this dynamic in this country. And, you know, it's, it always, it's always the guys that are lowest since the Great Depression. I knew it was, like, a long time ago. <laughs> um, but... You know, I, I just think it's an interesting dynamic. And I could argue that this, the patriarchy is the reason why the Activision case is here now, is, is actively being publicized. Um, I, could, I could probably argue that patriarchy is behind all women's issues, uh, because I think it is. But, you know, in the state of Texas, they, they're putting bounties on pregnant women's heads, saying that if you suspect somebody had a, an abortion you can take them to court even if you're not related to them you have no connection to them whatsoever you can take them to court and you'll get ten thousand dollars from the government to do so those are bounties and people wonder why women <laughs> are talking about equality still because we're not equal and don't even get me started on women of color like that's a whole other issue in itself because this is just talking about you know, 
for lack of a better term, white women. Like, this is what the, the issue that I'm speaking about right now, but people of color or mixed race, like myself, experience a whole other set of issues. Um, and I, I really truly think that the, the patriarchy can, can, you could boil everything down to men running the country, like you could, or men running businesses, or men being in, in places of power. You could run that, every, every issue in, within the United States down to that very notion. Um, it kind of sucks. <laughs> it kind of sucks. Um, King Cobra says, I know I'm old school and not all men think the way I do. I will even leave the side of the road and put space between a woman I don't know to make her feel safer. And it's just, you know, it's a damn shame that, cause like I'm, I'm guilty of this too. Sorry, Becknice is online. Needed to send her a screenshot with a question. No problem. No problem. We're still here. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But Cobra, the, the other problem that I have with all of this is that you know, it's a shame that you even have to think about doing that, but it's also like how women react and that's how we think, you know, there's no, you, I, I, I hate to say it, but like, I'll never feel like I'm a hundred percent safe in this, you know, walking down the street. I, I think a lot of my anxiety obviously stems from my past, but I will never, ever not be in fight or flight mode. Like, that's just, we are, we are taught that from day one when you go to school and they say, you can't wear spaghetti straps because that's going to disrupt learning. Like, you are taught that you need to protect yourself. Hey, Mr. Fingers, thank you so much for the raid with a party of four. Thank you. Hi, everybody. Uh, if you're new here, my name is Redundant30. This is Campfire Chronicles Stories After Dark. We're right now discussing the um, Activision lawsuit and uh, talking about down with the patriarchy. Did I say I'm redundant 30? My brain's not working right now. But thank you so much, Fingers, for the raid. I appreciate you. Um, let me give you a shout out. I have such bad allergies. My nose is running. There you go. I don't think any of us do anymore. I used to be able to walk down, walk the streets all hours of the night and it didn't bother me, but not so much now. Yeah, I don't do that. And like, I don't even live in a bad part of town, but like, I just, it's ingrained in my brain. I don't know. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. And I don't know when or if all of this will change. I sure hope that, um, you know, this Activision lawsuit goes in favor of the employees that were harassed. I hope that if you do choose to boycott Activision, um, that you do so in whatever manner you deem necessary. Um, you know, for me, I've already uninstalled Warzone and I am uh, no longer purchasing anything Activision related until these women and these men that had to go through this horrible work environment, environment uh, see justice. So... That's how I'm doing it. I'm not going to tell you how to do it. If, if you don't want to do it and you want to keep playing Warzone, do your thing. Um, I'm not going to tell you what to do. That's just how I feel personally about the entire situation. Um, King Cobra says a lot of women have been mistreated, and I see that. I don't make it better, but I understand why they are the way they are. I do what I can. Yeah, no, absolutely. 
And Wool says, well, not now. I don't live in a bad town. Oh, I don't live in a bad town either, but um, there are bad parts of San Antonio that are not far from here. Um, it don't make it or not. Oh, yes. That makes that makes sense. Um, so that's kind of my take on everything that's going on with Activision. Um, you know, I, I don't have a, a fix for anything, but all I can hope is that um, down the road that there is justice that's served and that uh, Activision can revamp their entire company and get the people out of the top spots that were allowing this type of behavior to continue. That's all I can ask for. Um, but let's talk story time because I know we've been reading uh, Disenchanted and I want to pick up from right where we left off, but I don't remember where that was. I gave my son my phone and this may have been a bad idea, but um, the only reason why is because he might call my husband about 6,000 times. Uh, let's see. Okay, let me scroll down because I think we, we read past this part. Um, we were at... I think we were at here. Yeah, we were at in, still in the present in October of 2004. So... Without further ado, we're going to continue reading from Disenchanted. This is going to be the last week of Disenchanted reading, and then we'll move on to something else. Um, Disenchanted is available on Amazon. Uh, it, I wrote it about six years ago, almost seven years ago, maybe. Um, and it's available on ebook for like $3.99. Not too bad. It's also free if you have uh, Amazon Prime. So. With that being said, let's get back into Disenchanted. My son is going crazy. I hear him in the background. Okay, so we're in the present October 2004. The sun warms Lily's skin despite laying on the iced over bench. She listens to the birds talk to each other in the trees. Her earphones surely could be heard by them, but it didn't interrupt their gossip. Lily, Bradley says from the other side of the yard. She lifts her head off the bench about an inch. I'm heading out to work. Want to go to the coffee shop? No, I think I'm just going to stay here, she says. He nods his head and looks, and a look of sadness washes over his face. He climbs into his mini pooper and rolls down the driveway before speeding off down the main road. Lily lays her head down again and winces at the soreness. Even though the truck ended up 30 feet from the skin marks, police filed it as a car accident. She didn't remember how she got to the hospital. She vaguely recalls throwing the car out, though, out of fear. I brought some tea and scones, a voice says from the direction of the house. Noah stands at her feet holding an oil-soaked brown paper bag and a white coffee cup. Thanks, but no sh thanks, Lily says. She was tired of receiving I'm sorry packages from the family. I'm trying to apologize, Lily. Then why don't you just say it? Noah lets out a sigh and shrugs his shoulder. I can't win today. <laughs> I'm sorry for yelling at you while you were at in the hospital. I don't need your pity, she says, wincing when she pushes herself up. She limps through the snowy slush towards the back door. I'm not pitying you. Well, I don't need your sympathy then. She slips on a slick spot and catches herself on her sore wrist. A cry escapes her lips and Noah rushes to her side. He grabs her under her arm and hoists her up until she's standing. How's the pain? Excruciating. I saw your pill bottle in the trash this morning. 
Yeah. It was full. And you fractured three ribs and who knows what else. You really should take them. She Lily laughs. She pulls open the back door and hoists herself into the mudroom. Noah follows her into the house, fuming. What are you laughing about, Lily? He says, following her into the kitchen. Nothing. Why would you put yourself through suffering? Because the pain is the only thing keeping me from having an episode, she says, bracing herself against the kitchen island. I see his face every time I close my eyes. Pain is the only way I'll forget this happened. Noah lets out a long breath of air. She pushes herself down the hallway and up the carpeted staircase, leaving Noah staring at a spot on one of the tiles. A knock at the door jolts Lily out of her sleep. She struggles out of bed to her window seat and peers out of the small gap in the curtain. Samuel appears from the bottom of the window and waves. What does he want, she says. The stairs creak in uneven patterns as Lily hobbles down them. She opens the door a crack and the cold air blasts in on her face. Hi, if you're here to tell me I told you so, let me know so I can slam the door in your face before you start, she says, preparing herself to do so. I'm sorry you got hurt. I didn't want that to happen to you. Thank you. Anything else? Still wondering how you got to the hospital? Lily looks at him with slanted eyes. How did he... You followed me? Caleb had been talking for weeks with his friend about locking you in the mausoleum. I didn't want you to have to go through that. Why? You don't even know me. Because I've been an observer my whole life. And I'm tired of people getting hurt from me not doing anything with my life. Lily frowns. Samuel looks young. A little older than her, maybe, but not by much. Yet he speaks like he's been around for much longer. Want to go for a walk? Lily blurts out before she can stop herself. I'd like that, Samuel says, flashing a smile. <clears throat> Lily slips sneakers on along with her black peacoat. She closes the door behind her and limps down the stairs. The walk starts out in silence. Even the birds stop chirping to listen in. She turns and notices the slightest bit of scar showing from under his scarf. He glances out of the corner of his eye and adjusts it until the scar disappears behind it. Why do you hide that? She says, nodding towards his neck. It's not something I'm proud of, he says, shoving his hands in his pockets. A lot of bad memories and selfish behaviors lie within that scar. Did you try and kill yourself? Samuel flicks his head over to her, wide-eyed. I have, on more than one occasion. Why? That's a whole other ballpark. Besides, you didn't answer my question. No, this scar was not a suicide attempt. Do you really get homeschooled? Yes, she says immediately. Are we actually going to be truthful with each other? I saved you from the miser slow, miserable demise of hypothermia. I think I deserve a little honesty. She lets a sigh, then a small laugh escape her mouth. No. Well, that's not fair. No, I'm not homeschooled. Oh. Well, what do you do? I run. A lot. Why did you follow me? I told you already. Caleb was going to do more than just scare you. Yeah, but you had more behind your motive. She lets the accusation sink in for good measure. What was the real reason? Samuel lets out a laugh and smiles. I wanted to get to know you, and I was afraid of those guys were going to hurt you before I could. Lily squints at him. Why would he want to get to know me? I've blended in, haven't smoked with anyone other than Caleb in town. Well, stop it, Lily. You're doing that paranoid thing where you yell at each side of your conscience. She shakes her head and lets her loose curls fall in her face. Want to go to the coffee shop for lunch? He says, pointing in the general direction of town. Uh, she says, looking back over her shoulder. If she was healthy, she knew she could outrun him, but she's injured, and even the thought of moving a muscle makes her double over in pain. Sure. Don't sound too excited, Samuel says, nudging her shoulder. How old are you? She responds. Samuel pauses for a few seconds, then answers 20. Why did he pause? What, did you forget your age or something? It's just been a while since anyone's asked me that, that's all. Have you always lived on the West Coast? Why is he asking me that? Do you think he knows who we are? No, have you? He laughs. No. I lived in Boston, New York, 
and before here Chicago. Lily's nerves shatter. He worked for him. He waits for Lily to respond, and when she doesn't, he turns toward her. She looks at him, fear flooding her eyes until she feels like she's drowning. What's the matter? Who are you, and where are you really from? Boston. Are you all right? Why are you asking me all these questions? Because I want to be your friend. Why? Samantha, your face is so pale. Are you feeling... Answer me! A tree explodes along the forest edge, sending wood chunks into the air. Lily cries out, clutching her ribs. She collapses to her knees. Jesus! Samuel says, covering his head with his arms. Are you all right? Did a branch hit you? No, she says. The pain from her bones flushes the paranoia out of her head. He must think I'm off my meds. I'm sorry. It's okay. What was that all about? Lily winces and turns her head to the exploded tree. Nothing, she says. She lets the silence sink in for a little longer and then takes a deep breath in. Chicago is the last place I lived. She looks up from under her eyelashes to catch his reaction. Nothing. Good. That's where you're from? No, she says, pushing herself to her knees. I'm from New York. Samuel smiles and helps steady herself when she gets to her feet. Why were you so hesitant before to tell me? But now, the last person I lied to about who I was tried to stuff me in a mausoleum, she says. I'm done trying to pretend like I'm someone else or lie by omission. I need someone in my life or I'm going to lose it. Okay, Samuel says, nodding his head. I like that answer. I can tell you've got secrets, Lily says, easing herself into a chair. I don't like secrets. Neither do I, Samuel says, sliding a mug across the counter. So how about we start with the basics? Hey, Sam, could could have really used you today. Caleb is still recuperating from the wreck. It's been a madhouse here. Lily flinches at the sound of his name. I'm sorry, Rachel. Guy needs his day off as well. She laughs and whips out her notepad. The usual, honey? Lily nods her head. And did you want anything special, Sam? Coffee. Uh, maybe that new hazelnut one we brought in? Chocolate hazelnut, she says, nodding her head. Great choice. Lily reaches into her pocket for the leftover money her father gave her. Sammy lays a frozen hand on top of hers. I can pay. Are you sure? I insist. Lily removes her hand from her pocket and smiles. Thank you, she says, turning her head down to her toes. He waits until Rachel is out of earshot and then crosses his legs. Well, what's one of my secrets that you'd like to know? How did you get me to the hospital? I know I was almost dead. I have a car. It's semi-reliable, and luckily this was one of the times it decided to be reliable. When you found me, did you see anything? Like? Anything odd? His mind flashes to the truck being in a different location after he came to. Uh, yeah, actually, the truck. There were no skid marks leading to where the actual automobile was. Lily clears her throat and scratches at the back of her hand. Yeah, that, that is strange. But nothing else out of the ordinary. No, not that I can remember. Good. Lily breathes out a sigh of relief. Rachel returns with a tray full of cookies and two drinks. Your order, my lovely patrons, she says, and then scurries back behind the counter. Your family and you seem to be pretty distant, he says, taking a sip from his mug. You're observant, Lily responds, grabbing a cookie from the plate. It's because of the move. We all haven't been the same since coming here. Why not? Blue Canyon, California doesn't satisfy your taste for culture and wilderness? She laughs and shakes her head. It's just family turmoil. My brother is in high school. I'm homeschooled. My dad... He's always working. What about your mother? Lily grips the armrest of the chair a little tighter. She died four years ago. I'm so sorry, he responds. Lily feels the armrest crunch under her grip as she lets out a long sigh. Samantha, Bradley says from the store's entrance. He waves when she looks up from Samuel's gaze. Come on, lunch is at home already. She looks down at the cookies and instantly feels guilty. Samuel reaches out a hand and lays it on hers. You could take the rest home if you'd like. Your hands are so cold. Let's just say that's one secret you're not ready for, he says, patting her hand. See you tomorrow. 
Lily lets the tiniest flash of a smile cross her face. Bradley holds, holds the door open for Lily. He sneers at Samuel when they make eye contact. The frigid air blasts against his face as he makes his way to the car. Who was that? That was the guy who saved my life, she says. Really? He responds looking back through the coffee shop's window. How did he find you? I don't know. He wants to be my friend. Bradley grunts and returns to sneering at him. He climbs into the driver's side door and slams it shut. You're not going to like this, he says, turning the engine over. Not going to like what? You can't be friends with him. Why not? She says, clicking her seatbelt into place. Bradley makes a U-turn and begins driving back towards their house. He sounds like he's too interested in you. Maybe it's because I've been a prisoner my whole life, she says, and folds her arms across her chest. But wouldn't having a good friend be a good thing? It's for your own good, Bradley sighs. I hate when you say that. A tire pops, and Bradley struggles to keep the car from swerving off the road. Lily thrusts her hands onto the dashboard, crushing it under her fingers. Bradley lets off the gas and pops the clutch into neutral. Slowly, the car comes to a stop on the side of the road. God damn it, Lily. It wasn't me. What else would have made the tire pop like that? Oh, I don't know. Maybe something called a flat tire? The front windshield cracks as her temper flares. It's always my fault. Everything. She reaches for the door handle and growls, breaking the handle. Smooth. She rams her shoulder into the door and it explodes open. Lily, don't do this. I'm not. Keeping me locked up is. The crack crawls from across the windshield. Lily's vision tunnels and she collapses to her knees. Her brain lights on fire, sending a searing burn down her spine. Wetness falls down her face as her body starts to tremble. Lily, Bradley yells, running around the car. He catches his daughter before she collides face first with the pavement. She seizes in his arms and struggles to breathe. The ground begins shaking under them. Come on, baby girl, please snap out of it. She makes a gagging sound. Bradley lays her on her side and places his hand under her head to prevent it from slamming into the pavement. He reaches into his jacket and pulls out his, cell his prepaid cell phone. He dials a number to the psychiatric, psychiatric hospital. Dr. Jenner's, a voice says on the other end. Doctor, it's Richard Jones. Samantha's seizing again. We got into a wreck. I'm sending someone right over right away, he responds. Thank you. Oh, and doctor, bring your sedative cocktail. <laughs> erotic scary stories <laughs> what's good people vs oj hey simpson how you doing we're just reading from uh disenchanted right now disenchanted is a, a novel that i wrote a few years ago and this is actually the last reading before um i switched to a different story so you made it just in time just in time thank you so much for stopping by uh, so we are on chapter three now in lily's story mr jones Dr. Jenner says, holding his office open for him. Hello, doctor, Bradley says, coming through the doorway. Thank you for getting the extra done, test done so quickly. A CAT scan was probably the best decision for Samantha. Please have a seat. Bradley sits in the brown leather chair directly across from the doctor's desk. He removes his jacket and throws it over the armrest of the chair next to him. When can I see her? In a couple minutes. We're drawing a couple vials of blood. She hates needles. Don't worry, Mr. Jones. I'm much better at taking precautions than your previous doctor here. She's under full sedation this time. Bradley nods his head and pushes his hair back. He feels exceptionally tired today. The seizures kept him on edge all hours. Lily wasn't sleeping either. He was sure it was the nightmares that triggered the seizures, but after today's seizure in broad daylight, he knows something is wrong. The good news is that Lily herself seems to be getting better at controlling the amount of episodes she's been having, the doctor says, flipping through the file. Aside from the car, it seems like she hasn't had many other ones, voluntarily at least. Yeah, uh, she seems to be relatively peaceful most of the time, Bradley says. Have you been doing anything differently? I let her out of the house. The doctor's eyes go wide. It's in a controlled environment. 
She goes to the coffee shop for lunch, only 30 minutes, and then I pick her back up and bring her home. That's a very big risk, Mr. Jones, the doctor says, laying down Lily's file. You realize that one small trigger could start something much bigger than allowing her a little freedom. Yes, I do. But keeping her locked up was wrong. Her seizures were ten times more severe. She nearly choked me to death one night when I woke her up. Dr. Jenner shakes his head and jots that down into Lily's file. Bradley squeezes his eyes shut and runs his fingers through his hair. The wind beats against the windows with a swooshing sound that dies halfway into the office. I shouldn't have done- I shouldn't have said that. All I'm saying is that now that Samantha has more freedom, her episodes are decreasing. That was the whole point of our old doctor sending us here. They said your facility would be able to handle her, Bradley says, holding out his hands. As of right now, no one has done anything. I'm scared for her. I don't want her to hurt people, but I don't want her to hurt herself either, which clearly is happening. Dr. Jenners lays down his pen and folds his hands neatly on top of Lily's file. I know you're scared, Mr. Jones, but so is the staff here. Your daughter is... she's an anomaly. No one believed the phone call from your previous doctor. No one. But we were trying to do what's best for her. Please take my warning when I say it's not in either of yours best interest to be out in public. Bradley nods his head and lets it fall in defeat. The telephone rings, making both of them jump. Dr. Jenners picks up the receiver and says, Is she ready? He nods his head several times. He smiles and laughs at a silent joke that Bradley can't hear. Thank you, nurse. The receiver clicks and Bradley finally looks up from his hands. She's ready for you. Thank you, Bradley responds. He grabs his coat and slings it around his shoulders. The results will be in in the next couple weeks, the doctor says. He lays a hand on Bradley's shoulder. I, for one, did not want your daughter institutionalized. But just please be careful. I wouldn't want you to regret giving your daughter extra freedom at the expense of someone's life. Bradley nods his head and attempts a smile. He buttons his jacket and marches from the room with a pit in his stomach. Wait, you're an author? Yes, I am. People vs. OJ, I am an author. I've written uh, five novels and several short stories. They're kind of featured a little bit all over the place. Um, I can pop up my socials. My social medias. Something happened. Thank you. I don't know what... It didn't notify me <laughs> what it was, but thank you for whatever just happened. <laughs> I think something's wrong with my uh, my notifications for hosting. So if you just hosted me, I really appreciate you, but I'm assuming that's what it is. I don't know why it doesn't notify me. Um, thank you so much for the lurk, Mystic Wolf. I appreciate you. Um, but here's some of my, my social medias. Um there's a link in there for my books and it takes you to my Amazon page, which has King Matt hosting me. Thank you so much, King Matt. I appreciate you. I don't know why it doesn't notify me when somebody hosts something probably to do with uh, Streamlabs. I'll have to check into it, but thank you so much. Um, but if you go to my socials, I have a page, I have a author like website, and then I also have um, my Amazon page and you can check out all the books that I have on there. Good times. Good times. And I'm going to give you a shout out, King Matt, because you the shit for, uh, for hosting me. Thank you so much. So that's so dope. I appreciate that. It's, it's one of my, one of my big passions. I went to school for it, um, way back when in 2012. Um, and that's like one of my favorite things to do is write. I haven't been able to write this dang short story that I keep telling Ducky I'm going to write. And then I put it off because I like video games too. <laughs> I have a problem. Um, so the next section here, this is going to be from the past. And for those of you who are new, this is from Samuel's story. So Samuel's the other character 
that you heard from in, earlier in the chapter. And this is the past story of how, I guess you could call it his origin story. So this is the past in July of 1936. Samuel walked across the street towards Mabel and Walter's old house. He carried a bouquet of black-eyed Susans on top of a homemade cake. He knocked on the front door with a, his free hand and stood back. A few seconds later, the door opened. Harold's wife, whose name escaped Samuel at the moment, opened the door. Oh, Samuel, thank goodness. What's wrong? It's Mabel. Sam! Dorothy crashed into his arms, nearly knocking him down the stairs. She buried her face into his chest and sobbed. Dorothy, sweetheart, what's the matter? What happened? Mother's dead. She jumped from the roof and she... It was all she could get out before breaking down again. Harold, his wife said, the police are here. Samuel turned to see two detectives walk towards them. Harold marched through the house and onto the front steps. Thank you, he whispered, gripping Samuel's shoulder. He hurried off to the detectives and began talking with rapid hand movements. Come on, let's go for a walk, Samuel said in Dorothy's ear. I can take those from you, his wife said, scooping up the flowers and cake. Dorothy nodded her head and let Samuel walk her down the steps. They walked down past the gawking stairs and whispered secrets until they reached downtown. He stopped in front of his old house and let out a long sigh. When I promised your father I would t look out for you while I never thought I would have to deal with more than I could handle. I loved your father when I was, when we were close. He was my best friend, but we were not on good terms when he asked me to watch over you all. Dorothy looked up at him with hot tears spilling out of the corners of her eyes. He thought I was crazy, and I proved him wrong. Do you know why my mother killed herself? Dorothy said, looking at his old home. There are some things that are broken in people. Some are born with it, it grows with many of them, and others reach a certain point in their lives and it shatters, he responded, brushing tears from her cheek. I think your mother was one of those, one of the ones who just had too much thrown at her. She broke. But things were getting better, she said, shaking her head. She leaned into Samuel's hand on her cheek. It was like Dad died years ago. Time is irrelevant, he said. Things like death last forever. He looked back at the boarded-up house and let out a sigh. My wife died in my arms 17 years ago in there. Dorothy glanced at the house and then back at Samuel. She reached her hand up to his neck. I'm sorry, Sam, she whispered. I broke that day, and I'm still not fixed, but... Dorothy pulled Samuel towards her and crushed her lips against his. He froze, his arms dangling at his sides. Her tears on her cheeks mixed with the grittiness of Samuel's five o'clock shadow. She pulled her head back and her cheeks turned a brilliant shade of red. I'm sorry, she said, covering her mouth. I just... I should go. Samuel grabbed her before she could rush down the street. He pulled her in and kissed her again. He needed someone to stop the spiraling. The only thing preventing him from throwing himself off a bridge or in front of a car was her, a young girl whose world was crumbling in front of her. As wrong as it was for Dorothy's sanity, he wouldn't stop kissing her. You're going to hell, Littleton. Mabel's funeral was silent. She was buried with the flag that she was given at Walter's funeral. The casket lowered into the ground next to her husband's grave. Dorothy turned her head into Harold's chest and muffled her sobs into his suit jacket. He looked across the gravesite at Samuel. They made eye contact, and Harold shook his head towards Dorothy. Samuel nodded and walked around the small group to where the family stood. As the pastor read a eulogy for Mabel, Harold leaned towards Samuel. I know I haven't been the nicest person to you, he whispered into his ear, but thank you for looking out for us the past couple months. Samuel nodded his head. Dorothy looked away from Harold's chest and into Samuel's stare. Her eyes looked less gray than usual in the funeral air. She swiped the back of her hand across her cheek and attempted a smile. Samuel held out his hand and she took it without hesitation. Thank you, she said in a hoarse voice. You don't have to thank me, Samuel responded. She squeezed his hand and rested her head onto Harold's chest. Harold gulped down the rest of his tea and placed the mug onto the saucer. 
Daddy, Harold's son said. Yes, Harry, he responded. Are we moving out now? I don't want to stay here tonight. Harold grimaced and looked over at Samuel and Dorothy sitting across from them. Dorothy frowned and looked back at her brother. Why don't you see what Mommy is doing, he said. His son nodded his head and ran off towards the stairs. What was, about, what was that about, Dorothy said. Before you get mad and start screaming, Mother's dead and you're just going to leave? Let me explain. The dirt hasn't even settled on her coffin and you're already making plans on leaving? My job is done here. The hell it is, she said, standing and shoving her seat from the table. You haven't done anything here that you actually wanted to. If it weren't for me writing you, you would have still been in Lowell. Dorothy, I came here because I was worried about you. I didn't think you would be able to handle the stress of running a household, so I came by to keep things organized before... He took a deep breath in and rubbed the back of his neck. Before what? She said, raising an eyebrow. Before we sell the house, Harold said, looking up at her. Dad left the house to me, and honestly, it's not worth keeping around. This is where I live, Harold. How could you not tell me about this? I was trying to bring it up to you at Harold's birthday, but then Mom... Dorothy scoffed and turned her back to him. She crossed her arms and tried to process the thoughts bouncing in her head. How could he do this to me? A buyer already signed, he said, standing from the table and straightening his suit jacket. If you need help packing, Dorothy turned and slapped him across the face simultaneously. Don't you dare pretend like I'm all right with this. And that was for being a jackass about it. She marched off in the direction of the stairs and after several seconds, her door slamming echoed throughout the house. You're selling the, out the house out from under her? Why? My father left the house to me. Harold responded, rubbing his face where his, Dorothy's hand made contact. I was not going to keep putting money into it until Dorothy finally works up the courage to settle down. So you're forcing her to settle down now? She's only 17. She can stay with us in Lowell. I found her a job as a secretary for the army, but she said she didn't want to move there. And who do you think you are? Her father? Same question stands for yourself, Samuel responded, pointing at him. She's living in a fairy tale land, he says, shaking his head dating who she feels like at the moment, accepting gifts from men she's not interested in. It's disgusting and embarrassing, to say the least. Then let her stay with me. I promised your father I would look after her. It only seems fair that she gets to choose when she leaves. And you think you know what's best for her, do you? Harold pushed the air from his lungs out through his nose. He turned and paced the kitchen table, weighing Samuel's proposition. She has to be packed and ready to go by tomorrow night. Samuel nodded his head. Okay, she's all yours then. Thank you. But if anything happens to her... That's on your conscience, not mine, he responded, pushing a finger into his chest. I understand, Samuel said. Harold nodded his head and walked from the room. Samuel fell back into his chair and let out a sigh of relief. He didn't want to lose her. If she moved to Lowell, something could happen to her while she's there. Someone could happen to her. The thought of losing her because of distance scared him more than he wanted it to. The kiss three nights ago outside of his and Margaret's old house kept him awake for a good chunk of his normal sleeping hours. On one hand, a relationship or infatuation was not plausible for him. His wife's death still haunted him after 17 years. But kissing Dorothy after everything that has happened between them seemed like the only cure to living forever. Sam? A voice called from the hallway. He turned to see Dorothy leaning over the railing for the staircase. Hey, Wheezy, thank you so much for the biddies. I appreciate you. And thank you so much for the lurk. Uh, King Matt, and oh my gosh, there's a lot of chat that's going on. Hold on. Oh, God. Thank you for the emotes so much. I appreciate you. And welcome in, Goonie Games. Okay, I think I caught up on everything. Uh, let's see. Where was I? Oh, no. Did you help me upstairs? He nodded and pushed himself from the table. He passed the room where he tried to hang himself and choked down some spit. I'm trying to do right by her, Walt. Dorothy glided into her room and continued packing. 
Bing Crosby played from the radio on her night table. Where am I supposed to go? He thinks he's mar because he's married he can bully me around? So what? He looks downright miserable if you ask me. Do you need help with anything? Why would he do this right after mother died? It's like he couldn't wait to pull the rug out from under me. I could help you pack some of your clothes. There's too many memories here. Is he just trying to forget? That has to be the reason. Dorothy, Samuel said, grabbing her by the shoulders. She jumped and gawked at him. You sound a little crazy right now. She nodded her head and sat on the edge of the bed. Samuel pushed aside a pile of clothes and sat next to her. She wiped the tears from her cheeks and sniffled. Can he kiss me? She said, kiss me again. Samuel felt blood rush to his cheeks. You want me to... She planted her lips on his and wrapped her arm around his neck. His nerves tingled like he was on fire. Their chests heaved together and he pulled her closer. Make me forget, she thought. Samuel returned to Mabel and Walter's house the next morning. Dorothy ended up crying herself to sleep while he held her in his arms. It wasn't exactly how Samuel wanted to talk to her about everything he was feeling, but holding her like that was more than enough for the both of them. Sam, Harold called from the window. The door is unlocked. We're just loading our luggage and then we're on our way to Lowell. I'll come up and help. No need, he said, shaking his head. Dorothy's waiting in the kitchen for you. Samuel nodded and headed into the house. Dorothy, he said. It's Sam. In here, she said. Samuel followed the sound of her voice through the barren hallways. She sat at the kitchen table, stirring her coffee while staring at the wood grain on the surface. How are you? he said, standing in the entranceway. I don't want to stay in Boston, she responded and took a careful sip of her coffee. Where do you want to go? New York, she said, looking at him. I already bought my train ticket. Oh, Samuel responded. Dorothy took another sip of her coffee and nodded her head. I want you to come with me, she said, keeping her gaze straight ahead. Why? Because I need you. <laughs> Strangely enough, you're the only person who hasn't let me down. Okay, I'll go. She reached out a hand and laid it on top of his. We can talk then. Samuel ordered two coffees from the dining car and walked them to his and Dorothy's table. Thank you, she said, breathing in the aroma. You're welcome, he said. You've always been so nice to me for no reason, she said, laying her head on his hand on his. The cold shocked her initially, but she let it linger for a moment longer. I'll never understand why, but you've made my life a little easier. Samuel smiled and nodded. They sat in a dragging silence while taking sips from their steaming mugs. The world traveled by in a blur through the windows. Samuel wished the train was a time machine and that he could go back to before, when his life wasn't so complicated. Dorothy, I need to ask you, before you do, she said, holding a finger to his lips, can I say something? Samuel nodded his head, not removing her finger. I wanted more than that last night. If I hadn't lost my mind with grief halfway through kissing you, I, I would have... Dorothy... Samuel said, pulling his finger from, her finger from his lips. I'm not sure what kind of men you've dated, but I wasn't expecting that from you. I know, and I love that about you. For years, I've mourned, he responded. My wife was my soulmate, but then you come into the picture and it's like a weight was lifted from my chest. Sam, there's things I haven't worked out about myself yet, but I'm willing to. Because I need more. I need more of you. I don't, she said with a straight face. I don't, Sam. But you he said, finding himself at a loss for words. I'm not proud of the things I've done, she said. I've broken plenty of men's hearts without thinking twice just because I could. You're different, though. She looked Samuel up and down, admiring his button-down shirt and suit. If we happen, I'll destroy things between us, and I've lost too much. I don't want to be the reason that I lose you, too. Samuel let his mouth hang open while he tried to protest Dorothy's words. Before anything came out, she kissed him one last time before leaving him at the table. And that is the last reading from Disenchanted. So like I said, this book is available on Amazon. Um, it's 
really special to me. I wrote it several years ago. Um, so if you're, you feel so inclined, please go ahead and stop by. If you have Amazon Prime, uh, Kindle Unlimited, it, it's free on there. Um, so check it out. If you like it, leave a review. If you don't like it, leave a review. It's cool. I can always take uh, constructive criticism. Um, what is up, Birdfoot69? I hope you're doing well. Um, this is the most peaceful way I've woken up. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm glad that I'm glad that that is going for you, People versus OJ. Thank you so much for all the emotes. I appreciate each and every one of you. So for now, we're gonna close down the campfire and play some games. But on behalf of Cure Habitat. This was Campfire Chronicles, and we will see you next week on Thursday.